the purpose behind the trials you face, next on Abounding Grace. There's definitely value in our trials. God allows them to come into our lives for a purpose. They will have one of two effects on our lives. Have you noticed? They can either make you a very bitter person or they can make you a very better person. Do you know what the difference is between bitterness and betterness? The letter I. We're the difference. Trials will either break our backs or bend our knees. And as God uses them to fashion and mold us, trials are a way to check our hearts, to reveal things in us that we didn't know what was there, to see what's inside. This is amazing grace. You might be thinking that trial you're facing right now is working against you, but actually, God can use it to work for you and your good, as well as for His glory. Today on Abounding Grace, see what trials can do for you and how best to respond to them. In Romans chapter 5 and verses 3 through 5, the Apostle Paul mentions a few of the things the trials produce in our lives. First up is perseverance and then character. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor pointing out the value and purpose in trials. So much of the Bible is theory until you live it out. Oh, that sounds great, Ed. That's wonderful. My spirit bears witness with your spirit. Then God will test you. Really? Does your spirit really bear witness? Does it really bear? Okay, I'll test it. I'll allow this just to see what's inside. Well, let's look at Romans chapter 5 of the few things Paul mentions here that trials produce. And the next time we're together, we'll look at the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd who walks through us and walks with us and carries us through trials and testings. But trials do produce. Says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Some of you just haven't gotten through that yet. Say, what? Does he keep saying that? We glory in our tribulations? You'll see in a moment where glory can come from in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces, and number one, perseverance. Perseverance. I know some translations will translate that word patience, but the word really means to bear up under. That's what the original word means in the Greek, to bear up under, to endure. It has the attitude of not quitting, and we've spoken about that in previous studies. It's just the opposite of the attitude that you might have at work when you don't like the way things are going. You don't like your boss. You don't like your pay. You don't like the people you work with. You don't like your hours. You don't like everything. And your first response is, I'm out of here. I quit. I'm done with this place. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Perseverance is the opposite of that feeling. That's a real feeling too, huh? You're like, amen, yeah, I'm done, man. Hey, God can take you, you know, he can move you on to another job. That's not what I'm speaking to here. I'm speaking to your heart. When you got new policies and procedures handed down to you, and you're like, who wrote this? They don't even work here, you know? What's this all about? I quit. You might quit in your heart and still show up, you know? I was a boss for many years, and I had many people quit, but still show up to work every day, you know? (laughs) That was not fun. 
It's just the opposite. Now think of it in the Christian realm now when things aren't going your way, things aren't lining up the way you want it, things aren't the way that you have planned. You had your plans, they're not that way now. And in your heart and in your mind, you have quit. You've just done. You might be here physically, but in spiritually, you have quit. You might have looked back as we sing in the song today to a time when your heart has slipped, but it doesn't really affect you anymore because you don't really care. You've quit. You haven't let trials produce in you perseverance. You've pulled out. You're done. As a matter of fact, it can do just quite the opposite. Trials can start making you mad at God, and you're becoming bitter. And maybe that's the banner of your life, bitterness. You're just bitter, so now you're not doing anything for the Lord anymore. There's no fruit from your life. They haven't made you better. They're just, you're just a bitter person. And perhaps you've been able to pull it off with other people. Nobody would say, oh, that's a bitter person. But you know, bitterness corrupts from the inside. Perseverance is developed. It's more than just patience, guys. It's a stead. Right next to the word perseverance, you could write steadfast commitment. Trials test our commitment, our faith in Jesus Christ. They test really if we believe what we say. They test whether we're really going to, the word in the Greek means to bear up under. It speaks of endurance. Jesus, Jesus is the perfect picture of this endurance. Flip back to Hebrews, would you? It's toward the end of your scriptures there, Hebrews chapter 12. Jesus is the greatest picture for us of this kind of endurance. Hupomone is the Greek word. It means literally to endure, to bear up under. You don't endure things you like. Have you noticed that? There's no endurance needed if you like it. My kids don't endure going to Disney World. Okay, Dad, you want to take us to Disney World? Go. But you start talking about the dentist. They endure the dentist, don't they? Because if they don't, we'll crack them up. No, we don't do that. (laughs) But they don't endure Disney World because they like it. We endure things that we don't like. Look at chapter 12. I give you a chapter. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, therefore, we also, just to us as the church, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. What is that cloud of witnesses? But the previous chapter, the hall of faith. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with what? Endurance. The race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him did what? endured the cross, despising the shame. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him who, in, you guys with me? So consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You know what trials do? They produce in us perseverance. Number two, back in Romans chapter five, the second thing we see trials do is they produce character, character, It says, not only that, we glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, verse 4, and perseverance, character. This is stuff on the inside, gang, not on the outside. This is the real stuff of who you really are and who God is making you in the likeness of Jesus Christ. This isn't the kind of stuff you put on your resume, right? You don't put on your resume, well, my last job, I failed. I I failed really bad. And the job before that, I was really a failure. I got really mad. I threw something at the boss. They called the cops on me, but I really want to work here, you know. (laughs) No, what do we do on our resumes? (laughs) I am the best employee on the planet Earth. 
I have all the skills and talents that you are looking for. You need to look no further because I have, you know, it's so bad on resumes today that those that are studying such things say that a majority of resumes are lies. So Christians, don't lie on your resume. You'll be found out. I mean, seriously, there are companies today. I didn't have these companies when I was overseeing a staff. There are companies today that you can hire to do due diligence on every resume that comes across the desk. And wouldn't it be a black eye on the cause of Jesus Christ if if they had a stack of lying resumes and lying Christian resumes? Wouldn't that be sad? And so just be straight up and let God raise you up and put you down. If he's going to put you in that position, your resume can be blank and God will work on your behalf. You don't need to try to manipulate it. You don't need to try to lie your way in. If God has that job for you, it's yours before you ever show up. Character is not what you put on your resume. Character is what you live. It's who you are on the inside. Think about what trials do. They produce character. The New American Standard, I love how they translate it. It's proven character. So that when you go through the trial and the testing, you're actually proving your character as you become more and more like Jesus Christ and more of his nature is poured into your life and my life. You see, listen, this is important for some of you. You're here just today to hear this. Trials work for the believer, not against the believer. God is not your enemy. Jesus Christ is working for you, not against you, no matter how heavy it might seem. Jesus, it says in Isaiah 53, verse 3, was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Here's a problem I see around the church today about at this point in the study. We've got trials producing, and what do they produce? Perseverance. They produce character. But one of the problems that I see in the church at large today is this false teaching that every time a trial comes in, that somehow you need to start rebuking the devil out of this trial. I rebuke you, devil. I don't receive this trial. I don't accept this trial. I rebuke you, trial. And in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, devil. And I can almost hear God saying, stop rebuking the devil. I send it to you. Seriously. I'm using it in your life. I'm in your life right now. I want to work in you. There's some patience I want to give you, some perseverance I want to teach you. I want to give you some character through this. God says, don't rebuke it. It's from me. I'm using it to minister to you and to change you and to grow you and to develop you, son, daughter. The best example in all the scriptures that we have is Job. And through his life, we learn Job. Remember his wife? She was a pill, wasn't she? <laughs> it's like going through all this stuff, and he turns to his honey to get some comfort. He says, just curse God and die, Job. Oh, thanks, babe. <laughs> Appreciate that. Got any good words of wisdom for me, you know? But Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 22, it says this. Listen, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Isn't that a great example? Amazing. And so as a pastor, you know, I need to point folks to the word. You might come up to me and share this serious trial you're going through. Maybe it's a financial deal and you, oh, Pastor Ed, this financial thing has hit me, this financial thing we're going through, this financial thing we're, and I'm asking you, well, do you tithe? Ah, I don't have any money. I can't tithe. I can't give. Well, wait a minute. Maybe God has allowed this financial thing in your life to teach you how to give, to teach you that what you have isn't your own. Well, I don't really think I need to give to God. Great, then keep going through the trials. (laughs) 
go ahead and hold on to what you have because God's not going to give things to those that have closed fists. Your hands need to be open and empty. Oh, maybe it's not giving. Maybe it's a marriage situation. Oh, my marriage is, you know, everything in my marriage is because of him and because of her. Hey, listen, you come for counsel. One of the questions we're going to ask you, husbands, is are you loving your wife as Christ loved the church? Oh, come on, Ed. Do you know her? (laughs) And you can almost hear a slap coming, huh, upside the head. (laughs) Only to the guys. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't need to know her. God has called you men to love your wives as Christ loved the church, self-sacrificially. And I know all you ladies right now, amen, Ed, yeah. (laughs) But ladies, how about the difficulty in your marriage? Are you submitting unto your husbands as unto the Lord? Well, you don't know, Ed. He doesn't obey the word. Have you read Peter lately? He said to submit even if some do not obey the word. I mean, it's very simple. You think of some trials and testings. Hey, instead of trying to get rid of them and try to solve them on your own, is God trying to teach you a lesson? Is he trying to bring something about your finances, your marriage, your singleness? Oh, Ed, I just got to go out there. I got to find myself a husband, man. I got, it's getting late. I got to go. But you're going to places that aren't good for you. You're hooking up with unbelievers. You're getting drunk and putting yourself in, in these compromising positions. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Doesn't God want you to be holy unto him? It's like, well, you're not very compassionate. <laughs> you're really mad about that microphone thing, aren't you? <laughs> no, it's not that at all. <laughs> Listen, sometimes that counsel might come for me with tears streaming down my cheeks over your brokenness. As a pastor, most, a lot of my ministry is consumed with watching how sin has broken your life and seeing it devastate your life. And then when the truth comes, you want to fight with me. You want to argue with me. I don't want to argue with you. I'm not trying to win an argument. I just want you to see Jesus high and lifted up. And when you see Jesus high and lifted up, he's going to use the trials in your life. He's going to use the testings. He's going to grow you. He's going to add perseverance in your life. He's going to add character in your life. It's going to be proven character. It's not going to be character that you, from someone else, but you're going to grow through it. You're going to know it. And you, you, you can get mad at all the messengers that you want, guys. But listen, God is at work in your life. And from me and the staff and the leadership here, you will receive the truth. Oh, we will do our best to share the truth with you in love, to point you to Jesus the best that we can. But I'll tell you what, maybe I do cry over the sins of this church, over your sins. That's not maybe. I use that word loosely. I do. It devastates a pastor to hear about sin flowing through his church. It devastates a pastor and a leader when they start thinking about, what, that family? Oh, man. Again, why? Didn't we go through this? Haven't we learned it? What's going on? Why is she so bitter now? Why isn't he getting better? Why isn't he praying? Why isn't she bending the knee? Why, Why do they have to stand so upright in pride? God is growing us up and reducing our flesh and increasing our faith. That's what he's doing through trials. You realize that? And so you go, well, well, I don't like it. Too bad. That is God's way. I know sometimes I don't like it either. I'm not not immune to trials and tribulations. I've got my fair share. And the Lord is good through it. Well, he doesn't end just there. You got perseverance, character. Look at the next one. After verse 4, perseverance, character. And what does character produce? But hope. 
This is interesting. These last two are really, again, they fly in the face of how we might look at things. But how is it that trials produce hope? Let me share with you. Many of you have been through trials. When you look back on the faithfulness of God and how he got you through it last time, what do you have today? Hope. I know God. I've seen him work before. I've seen him come through before. I've seen his faithfulness. I know last time it wasn't on my timing either, but he was faithful. And if he was faithful then, then guess what? He's faithful today because the Bible says Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forever. Amen to that. And so there's hope in trials. God came through for me then. He's going to come through for me now. And the final thing that trials do is they produce encouragement. What? Trials are encouraging? Well, notice. Verse 5, hope does not disappoint. You ever been disappointed before? It's a bummer, huh? You're like, oh, messed up over disappointment. But hope doesn't disappoint from the Lord because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope doesn't disappoint because we're connected to a loving, caring, compassionate, purposeful God. You see, trials, they don't allow us to stay in the same place spiritually. Have you noticed that? They don't let you just stay on the same track in the same direction. They move us. They stir us. They change us. They cause us to step back and reevaluate. For homework today, jot this down. Jeremiah chapter 48. I want you to zero in when you open that this afternoon to Moab. And notice how God stirred Moab up. Because he doesn't want us to grow up, God does. He does want us to have this perseverance. He does want us to steady on. He doesn't want us to quit. He doesn't want us to become comfortable. He doesn't want us to be apathetic toward the lost in our world, apathetic toward the needs in our world, apathetic toward the people in our very neighborhood, our neighbors, our family, our friends, complete strangers that we meet on the way. He doesn't want us to be apathetic and numb to the needs of our world. He wants us to bring Jesus to them to live out a life. And as he matures us, it's toward perfection and completeness. You see, God is not done with you. That which he's begun, he will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. The Bible says he will perfect that which concerns us and develop us. And so God is developing your life today, friend. He's developing you. I know you'd rather have it by a book, but it's not going to come that way. And I know some CD series or tape series is the way you'd like to go. I know you'd like to podcast everything and never face a trial or a tribulation again. It's not going to work that way. We live in this world. Trials sometimes come because of our own sin. Have you noticed that? We can bring it upon ourselves. Trials sometimes come from someone else's sin. And we're doing just fine if it's someone else's sin affects us. Trials sometimes come through the sovereign hand of God as he sends them. Sometimes tribulations have been allowed by God as Satan throws them our way. But in all of them, Jesus says, be of good cheer. You know why? Because I've overcome the world. Allow God to develop that patience, that perseverance, that hupomone in your life where you're going to steadfastly commit to him no matter what. Allow him to add to you character that's far greater than what you could ever write on a resume. Allow him to work in your life in such a way that you have hope and you're encouraged in him. I want to end with this poem I found. I love it. Just listen carefully. No zipping Bibles, no closing. Just listen. For the zipping of the Bibles, I'm going to personally take those zippers away. (laughs) All you guys try to guess when I'm done, huh? I'll just stand here for five more minutes. (laughs) Listen to this poem. You ready? I love this. I thank God for bitter things. They've been a friend to grace. They've driven me from paths of ease 
to storm the secret place. I thank him for the friends who failed to fill my heart's deep need. They've driven me to the Savior's feet upon his love to feed. I'm grateful too, through all life's way, no one could satisfy. So I found in God alone my rich and full supply. What a lovely poem and a fitting way to end today's Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Pastor Ed, we learned today what trials do for us. I was wondering if you might share a personal example of what a particular trial did for you. Well, Larry, that's a big question that could lead to a long answer. But it's good to, for me to listen and really think through what have trials done for me. Uh, trials in my life, especially uh, one of the larger, uh, not one of the largest trial I've faced in the loss of our son, Eddie, back in 2013, I can say definitively that that trial in particular has changed my life. It's changed me as a dad. It's changed me as a husband. It's changed me as a man, as a pastor. It's changed me in unfortunate ways as a grandparent. And I have seen God open new channels of love and compassion, of forgiveness and release in my life that I've never seen before. But they've never been required to be expressed in these ways except for the trial. I've seen a greater faith in the Lord. I've seen a greater warfare uh, that has been revealed to me, a, a battle for, for sometimes sanity and thinking clearly, a battle for believing God's word, a battle for believing God. And you go on both sides of that battle. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. And and I know someone listening into me right now is in the thick of it right now. I'm, I'm six and a half years uh, into this trial, but you're in the thick of it, and you just don't think it's ever going to end. But it is going to get better. It is going to make you a different person if you yield and surrender. I've also become a man more uh, in tune with uh, the, the heart of God and how he values brokenness and how he values humility how he values the broken and contrite heart. And I didn't ask for my heart to be broken. I didn't ask for these things necessarily to come through pain, but they do and they did. And that's what God's doing in your life right now. We listen to a Bible study, what trials do, and it's, you know, it's a high level. Whenever I'm teaching a Bible study, it's a high level. This is what the Word of God says. This is how God wants to use it in your life. But the reality is, is things get lived out at a low level. And what I mean by that is it gives lived out uh, from your feet. You're walking with the Lord and you're walking for the Lord. And you don't always see the things. You listen to a Bible study, you go, that's not true. That's not true. But, but it is true. It just may take some time for you to experience it and enjoy it. For those of you who are grieving, my heart is, is with yours. For those of you that are struggling, my heart is with yours. For those of you that are battling, my heart is with you. For those of you that might have suicidal thoughts, I want you to know your life matters. And don't do it. Ask for help. Reach out and ask for help. The best place is to ask those that are closest to you and allow them to speak into your life and encourage you. But trials do work in our lives, and they do make us better people, better followers of Christ, 
um, better lovers of God and lovers of others, I promise you, not on my authority, not on Ed Taylor's authority, but on God's authority, that this trial in your life is a tool that God is using to make you a better man, a better woman. God bless you guys. Amen. You can hear these radio programs on our website anytime at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go and grow in the Word is by downloading our app. Search for Calvary Aurora. This is a great way for you to take in the Word of God wherever you may be. It's not a bad idea from time to time to sit down with a mature, older believer in Christ and hear what they have to say about the Christian pilgrimage. Well, you might say that's the sort of wisdom you'll glean from Warren Wiersbe's book on being a servant of God. He shares in it what he wishes he had known about ministering to others when he began his walk with the Lord. Ministry, he says, takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Request a copy today when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Call 877-30-GRACE. And as the costs of being on the radio are growing, we're looking to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in the ministry, either through a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, that will do it for today. Come back tomorrow when Pastor Ed Taylor will pick up where we left off in Romans here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 